Pittsburgh Poetry Society, Episode 3. Readings from Ordinary Task by Pittsburgh Poetry Society member Marilyn Marsh Knoll. Byron's Dream. It's 50 years ago and you're working on the tractor near the barn. You think your brother Homer is nearby. You watch the plane fly in from the northeast low over Lake Erie. A swastika black across its side. The bomb drops. You see it clearly. More real than this world, you dive into the ditch as the explosion breaks. When you raise your head again, the shed and barn are blown away, the tractors and trucks mangled, the plane circles and returns. You play dead. The next day, the plane makes a second run and bombs the house right through the heart of it. This is Ohio, for God's sake where no enemy has flown before. I lean close as you tell me this dream. Your back is slippery with sweat. Ode to a Woman Hanging Laundry, World War II, 1944. His letters trickle slowly now, or most days never come. But there are diapers to hang, and sheets await the sun and air. She pulls on her winter coat, grasps the handles of her wicker basket, and heads out to the clothesline into freezing wind. Wooden clothespins held tight, and cold fingers grip the shoulders of a blouse, or of kids' pajamas. When she returns, the clothes will hang heavy like stiff boards, frozen by air and wind. She'll stack them one by one in basket loads, hang them over tables and chairs to finish drying, breathe that fresh cold scent, await the postman. Ella's Cake I am on my lunch break at my 1950 summer job. Round and sunny, Alice sings in the bakery down the hall, swirling gobs of frosting and blues and pinks and yellows over butter-rich party cakes. We waitresses hunch around the battered table in our crowded upstairs lunchroom, eating the cheapest dinners on the menu. I select link sausages and mashed potatoes covered with brown gravy, green beans on the side, not bad for paying nothing. Turkey, swordfish, and roast beef are out of bounds. Sweating in the dark, airless room, we never taste Ella's cakes that melt in your mouth and are prized for weddings all around town. Frothy blossoms with green leaves on white ambrosia icing. The Attic Door, 1985. Last night, after a day of comings and goings, when I thought you were going to leave forever, I entered our house and looked everywhere for you, 
searched the basement, the bathrooms, the beds, and couches, the floors where you sometimes fall asleep. I opened the closet doors, looking. Loud stillness filled our house. Then a creak above the attic door and the bathroom ceiling. Were you there hiding? I stood on a chair to push open the door, but couldn't see far. Feeling foolish, I stepped to the floor. Komodo, Jakarta, March 24, 2009, UPI. An Indonesian fisherman died after being mauled by a Komodo dragon on an island generally barred to humans because of the dangerous reptiles, officials said. Fork-tongued carnivores rescued from extinction on Komodo Island devour bones, fur, and even hooves with razor teeth up to 10 feet long and 50 pounds, 150 pounds. They burst swiftly on passing prey, Water buffalo, dogs, goats, deer, even smaller dragons. Vile smelling saliva kills escapees by blood poisoning within 24 hours. Every morning during tourist season, rangers cross in boats to the island to lead visitors across marked paths, careful not to startle sleeping dragons. Tour guides warn of one tourist who stopped to rest. When the group noticed his absence and searched for him, they found nothing except his camera and his glasses. Grandfather, I hardly knew you. In your 80s, you took a bus from Syracuse to visit us. A minister with a trim goatee, you presided over dinner. You wore your brown travel suit and wide striped tie. I was seven. You sternly stood to ask the blessing and prayed for every relative and more. I squirmed in my seat, examined our family's best china under the stiff linen tablecloth. I wiggled my legs and my toes. The roast beef and mashed potatoes lay cold and untouched before us. On the sideboard, I glimpsed Mama's coconut custard pie. Dashed. In the photo, a man is attempting to pull a jilted bride up from the seventh floor window in Chengchong, China. She's jumped from the window. Minutes ago, the groom had called off their marriage. The rescuer struggles to grasp the young woman by her arms. Facing outward, she leans her head against the building, her black hair falling over her eyes. Her silky white wedding dress and see-through veil drift downward in swirling white. Dainty lace peaks from the edges of her strapless top and from her hemline stretched lightly above slender ankles and delicate shoes. Slim and soft bare shoulders, she is fragile as a butterfly. Another man balances on a windowsill below and reaches up to grasp her feet.
under an apple tree, reading the Rubaiyat at age 16. The moving finger writes, a grass bug crossed the page, and having writ, it darted up and down by all the print, moves on. I gave it such a gentle push to flick it off the page, nor piety nor wit. Green stained the print, and piety and wit a burial ground. Nor all your tears wash out a word of it. Parting of the Waters, July 1987, for my brother, Bradley Scott Smith. It is too soon to write a poem about waves spreading softly on the beach in summer sun, sand mashed between children's toes as the splashing edge of sea cuts patterns on the shore. I long to talk with you once more, too late to send that magazine you wanted. Now and then I tried to be a sister, friend. Here on the shore, your children share in spreading out your life. My hands tingle from your ashes. I see you as a mischievous boy, mercilessly, gleefully teasing me, or a proud young father holding your first child, fearful she would break. She is broken now. We gather in a circle around your memory. I see your face before me, in flames your best and kindest smile. September on Blue Mountain. Wasn't it a, a perfect Sunday? You mowed our long sloping lawn, sweat poured off you in rivulets onto the arm of your chair. I baked steamy pies with leftover apples and grapes, not to waste them. One would have thought we were leftovers too, but at 69, you are strong, so am I, learning to live on a mountain close to snakes and hawks, inside clouds and freezing rain. Here behind the next log, copperheads lurk in the undergrowth, but you in high boots are prepared with your stick Groceries run out, I gather up leftovers, nothing is wasted. Not old apples or grapes, not your first love or mine, not divorces or deaths. They all come home to us daily, in early morning stillness, through the forest, inside mists and clouds, hanging over our mountain. Satisfied. A black butterfly lands on our impatience, ignoring the reds and pinks. She flies from one purple bloom after another, drinking their nectar. Later, I discover purple impatience growing wild between cracks in our sidewalk. Careful not to trample them, our marvel as they thrive. One day, a black butterfly, edged in brown like the other flutters onto those flowers. I watched her until, satisfied, she flies toward me and gently brushes against my blouse.
No One at Home, March 1986, for my father, Salem V. Smith. You phoned me from the hospital to say your last goodbye. I wasn't home. I remember the old musket over the mantel that you sold without telling anyone, not even my brother who wanted it, and the bust of Lincoln and Kennedy nearby, our heavy glass ashtray, the cigar smoke reeking through the house and yellowing the curtains, the brown leather chair where you dozed not long before you died, and I began to notice how often you fell asleep there. The picture window with blinds kept mostly closed. Now you trusted that rumor before he came back angry and tried to burn down your house. The photo you kept of my brother's wedding with me in my 30s wearing that short red dress and swinging my long shiny hair. I can almost hear your voice the way it sounded on the tape. The Farm by Lake Erie, 1995, for Byron. A blackbird winters asleep on a branch beyond the new freeway. Telephone poles stand sentry over ditches. We always go back to where we came from, those plains or hills, wherever we roam as children. Near the end, you, too, go back to your farm. You dream all night of the boys, Blair and Lester and Glenn, farmers you grew up with. Last night, they were with you again. A train roared into the station, a hundred cars filled with hardware. You paid the bill of laden. The bank loaned you rental for tractors to carry thousands of items away. You gave them to your childhood friends. The Flamethrowers, 2007, for Walter. The week we met, we hiked the Shenandoah Mountains and watched the setting sun throw flames into the sky. I'd looked a long time before I found you. You teaching me to snorkel and to chase green, blue, and yellow parrotfish. You showing me Spain, Italy, Germany, Greece. A man engrossed in science. Still, you wash the dishes, often cook. We forgive each other's imperfections. Maybe we are wiser than before our spouses died. Or when, alone sometimes, we raised our children. Now let's throw flames into the sky. My Peak Room. I am six again, standing once more in my pink room with flowered wallpaper I picked out myself. Curtains are blowing in the early spring breeze. Here is my pink tea table and my bookcase. My doll with a red checkered dress awaits on my bed where you left her one day to surprise me when I came home from school. You've sent me to my room. I don't remember why. I throw the table sideways on the floor and scatter chairs. Maybe the noise will bring you to me. You do not come. I straightened up my room. Still, I'm straightening up my room. 
doe in August. In fall and in winter, she arrives in our yard alone, limping on her broken leg. She holds her head high. Late September, she stood by our stone wall to feast on purple impatience. I let her eat all she wanted. Today, I mistook her for one of the others, shooed her away. Before I noticed the limp, she hobbled away grabbing a mouthful of red geraniums. Train to Auschwitz for Eddie Helsum of Amsterdam, 15th January 1914, 30th November 1943. Your parents and brother were on car number one. No one expected you'd be sent to, not yet. A volunteer you'd chosen to go to Vestavart with trapped Jews. No one dragged you. You worked at the hospital, helped where you could. Known for your luminous smile and strength amid suffering, you wanted to help to the last. But when they placed you on the list, you cheerfully packed your Bibles, Tolstoy, Essentials, walked to the train platform, rushed to check your friend at number 14. But they had just released her. Too late to join family, you entered car number 12. You and family per perished at Auschwitz. Diaries and letters attest to your love of people and God. The postcard you flung from the train, sent out by the farmer who found it, proclaimed, We have left the camp singing. Shoreline. A summer wave spreads seashells and shark's teeth, polished smooth brown clumps of ragged seaweed.